number two in our Bibles this morning. Gospel of Matthew and chapter number two. Matthew chapter number two. How many of you ever lost something? You say lost something valuable to you. Let me see your hand. Lost something valuable. Let me ask this question. Uh, of course, when you lose something of value, it stays on your mind and you have to find it. I wonder how many of you have ever lost your wallet? Let me see your hand. Ever lost your wallet? All right. How many of you ever lost your cell phone? Ever lost your cell phone? How many of you would rather lose a wallet over a cell phone? Well, that's all the younger generation. <laughs> How many of you have your, your wallet on your cell phone? My kids keep asking, do you have Apple Pay or this or that or the other? I said, no, I don't know what that is. It's all good. I have this stuff that's green. I showed them, you know, it's green. It's a one or a five or a ten. And uh, yeah, so they if they owe me money, they want to email it to me or something, electronic, send it. And I'm just like, well, just give me cash. Give me cash. Cash is wonderful. Today we're looking at the wise men. We spent a number of weeks looking at the characters of the Christmas stories. After last week, uh, we looked at all of them. And I want to preach a simple message this morning that I've entitled, and you've heard the phrase, wise men still seek him. Wise men still seek him. Matthew chapter number 2, beginning of verse number 1. The Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Lord, we ask this morning that you would speak to hearts. Thank you, Lord, for everyone that is here. Thank you for those that are watching via live stream. Lord, I ask that you would do what only you can do and meet with us. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for coming to die on a cross for our sins. Thank you for salvation. Lord, we love you today, and we praise your name for who you are. And Lord, now we'll give you thanks for what you do. Meet with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have more than one Bible at your home? Let me see your hand. I mean, most of everybody. How many of you would say, I have more than five Bibles in my home? More than five Bibles. Wow. I should go further, but I won't go any further. How many of you know somebody that has at least one Bible in their home, but does not read it? You say, I know if someone has a Bible in their home, 
but that's not reading. A survey from 2021 found that 11% of Americans read the Bible daily. Trends are going in the wrong direction. Trends show that the majority of Americans never read the Bible. Bible readership varies across the demographic with millennials, our younger generation, most likely to have never read the Bible. The most frequent readers are those over 70 years of age. When we think about that, we've got a generation of young people that do not see the importance of seeking God. They don't see the importance of spending time with God, of having a relationship with God. And as we think concerning the Word of God, and we think concerning our message here this morning, if you are wise, you will seek God. You will seek a relationship with God. I want to give you four keys this morning in seeking Him. Number one, I want us to see when I seek Him, it's going to affect my perspective. Look at verse number two. The Bible says in verse 2, they come to Jerusalem and they say, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east. Look at this last phrase. And we are come to worship him. The word magi gives indication that the men were from the priestly caste of men interested in astronomy and astrology. Their counsel was often sought by ancient rulers of the eastern world. For them to come in and visit King Herod and say to King Herod, Where is this king that is born king of the Jews? Because we want to come and worship him was a big deal. When you worship someone, obviously they have incredible importance. By the way, you'll notice when they came, they first bowed and worshipped before they gave him gifts. You see, what does that mean? First Corinthians tells us concerning the Macedonian churches, they first gave themselves. Do you know before God wants your gift, God wants you? That's why the Apostle Paul admonished the church there at Rome, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. If you jump to verse number 11, we know this. The Bible says they brought him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. One commentator put it this way. The gold would represent the deity of Christ. The frankincense would represent his, the intercession of Christ. The myrrh would represent the death of Christ because it was used in burying people. You see, the wise men came... And they, they intended, and we'll see this in a minute, they intensely sought after him because they knew he was. They had the right perspective. They had an eternal perspective. You know, we see that sing the song, this world is not my home and I'm just a passing through. But yet sometimes we might sing the song, the world is not my home and I'm just passing through. But we live like the world is our home. It's very easy to get caught up in the world. It's very easy for us to forget that eternity is really what matters and to live with an eternal perspective. Someday, every knee will bow. 
You may see individuals, you say, boy, that guy's hard. You say, that guy's difficult, he's hard, and he'll never bow. Someday, every knee will bow. And whether you bow now or then, you will bow then. And individuals, I've known Christian people say, yes, I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven, but I'm going to live for myself. I'm going to do my own thing. Someday, your knee will bow. And you will confess that He is Lord. And you will give Him worship. He is worthy of our worship. But many are, are, are following another God. Many in our day are following. The Bible says in Psalm 16 and verse 4, Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. People are hastening. They're worshiping. They're living for popularity. They're living for money. They're living for sports. They're living for pleasure. They're living for what the world says you need. And they always come up empty. Solomon told us that as we look at the Word of God. Solomon said, hey, all was vanity. I had everything the world promised, and it was all vanity. And he comes back to what at the end of the book? He comes back to the importance of worshiping the King of kings and Lord of lords. What is the whole of man? Fear God. And keep His commandments. Worship. Hey, when I seek Him, it affects my perspective. Many people aren't seeking Him because they have the wrong perspective. Number two, I want you to see this. When we seek Him, it will affect our priorities. Look at verse number one. The Bible says, They came, wise men, from the east to Jerusalem. Butler in his commentary on this passage said this, What trouble it must have cost them to travel from their homes to the house where Jesus was. We often think it's right around the corner. We often think in terms of 2022 travel, you can jump on a plane and be halfway around around the world in, in, in a day. They, they didn't have that. He said, hey, how many weary miles must they must have journeyed? The fatigue of an eastern traveler, of eastern travelers, are far greater than we in our modern day can still understand. The time that such a journey would occupy must necessarily have been very great. The dangers to be encountered were neither few nor small, but none of these things moved them. They had set their hearts on seeing him that was born king of the Jews. And they never rested until they saw him. He became their number one priority. Can I ask you this question this morning? What is your number one priority? Oh, how do I know? I can tell you how you know. Where do you spend most of your time? What is it that consumes your thinking? What is it that you find this afternoon? You'll have... Nothing to do this afternoon and evening, right? Play with toys. You know, when you get older, you don't have any toys to play with. Now, my granddaughter's coming into town, and she's coming in on Wednesday, and I'll be able to get down and play toys with her. But I don't think John and Steve and Dave, they're going to want to play toys this afternoon. What do we do with our time? What do we think about all day long? You see, our priorities are really important, and often our priorities are out of whack. 
And the wise men said, hey, we're dropping everything and we're going to do what we need to do until we see him, until we see Jesus. I'm told that it was a fixed habit of Theodore Roosevelt to attend church on Sunday. And he continued it all years in Washington, even as president of the United States. The pastor of his church always receives a letter or phone call from the president when he expected to be out of town explaining his absence. You know, we often make excuses. I'm too tired. I often make, make excuses. I'm, I'm too busy. I'm too tired to read my Bible. I'm too busy to read my Bible. Hey, when you think about it, you make time for the things that are the most important to you. I've got too much going on to go to church on Sunday. It's about the right priorities. You see, the only one that has life and life abundantly is the Lord Jesus. And we cut ourselves short. Jesus said, I've come. You might have life and might have it more abundantly. And we cut ourselves short when we try to live the Christian life without a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. He is our priority. The Apostle Paul said, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. The book of Acts says, In Him we live and move and have our being. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, the Bible says, In rising up a great while before day, He, Jesus, departed into a solitary place and there prayed. He fellowshiped with God the Father. Seeking Him will change. It will affect our priorities in our life. Where does he fit? See, well, once in a while, maybe during the week, I'll spend time with him and his word. If he's the number one priority, we ought to spend time with him every day. And if you are wise, you will. You will make time. You make time for people that are important to you. And if I recognize that he has, it all, he has all that I need in life, he opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing, I'll seek him and make seeking him a number one priority in my life. Number three, I want you to see this. What's it take to stop us, all right? Seeking him, we've got perspective, we've got priorities. I want you to see their perseverance. Look at verse number two. Verse number two, the Bible says this. Where is he? They come to him and say, Where is he, uh, he that is born king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we're come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. He gathers the chief priests and scribes of people together and demands of them where Christ should be born. I am told that the word saying communicates repeated action, showing their persistence. Last week when we had our program, we were reminded that the star disappeared for a little while. They see the star, and the star guides them to Jerusalem. The star disappears. Now think with me just for a minute. Even though the star disappeared, they didn't second-guess themselves and say, well, maybe we, we missed it. They said, hey, no, we're going to keep going. They get to Jerusalem, and nobody has any clue about this Jesus that is born King of the Jews. Nobody has a clue. They get there. They don't second guess themselves. 
We don't see where the, the wise men got together and said, look, guys, here's the deal. The star was there and it disappeared. Maybe we missed it. I mean, we came here to Jerusalem and we're talking to the king and nobody knows anything about this. Maybe we missed it. They are not going to be stopped. They're not going to quit. We recognize even Herod. The scripture says here in verse number three that Herod was troubled. Very strong word really agitated. And now they're standing in front of Herod the king that has the power to take their lives. We see it in the passage. He takes all uh, the, the, uh, the, the young boys' lives. He has the power to take their lives and they're not intimidated by Herod. We think concerning this, they were determined. They persevered. They said, hey, as soon as, by the way, as soon as Herod's advisors told them to go or tell them uh, where he is in verse 6, the Bible says, they, verse 8, he sent them to Bethlehem. They continue on. What does it take to stop you? What does it take to stop you from reading the Bible? You say, you know, I gave God some time this morning and, and all I had was a bunch of trouble come into my life. I'm done with that. You know, the devil will do everything he can in times of challenge. Life is challenging. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Life has challenges and we all would amen that. Do you know with every challenge there are two opportunities? There's an opportunity, number one, for us to access the grace of God, the divine enablement of God. There's also the opportunity for the devil, and we'll look at this next week, for the devil to try to get us off track. What does it take to stop us? Very easy, people can get bitter at God. You say, hey, I live in a family. I'm the only one that's safe. And, and I don't have the encouragement to come to church. I don't have the encouragement to read my Bible. Keep on reading your Bible. Keep on coming to church. Keep on serving God. You will stand before God as an individual. And it's easy for us to make excuses to get us to quit doing what we're supposed to be doing. Hey, the scripture says this. If you seek me, you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. You believe that's true today? It's in the Bible. We ought to. And yet sometimes our relationship with God isn't what it ought to be. And God says this, if you'll draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. That's what the Bible says. And God says, if you will allow me, I will satisfy the deep needs in your heart. I'll meet those needs. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. You can be as at peace today as God is. <sighs> what? God don't worry about nothing. He's in control. You know, we don't have to worry about nothing either. Because the peace of God can be ours, but it's not ours if we give up. It's not ours if we say, you know what? I, I tried to, to seek Him and I give up. Hey, we can't do that. Someone wrote this poem. I'm sure you're familiar with it. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will. When the road you're trudging seems all uphill. When the funds are low and the debts are high. And you want to smile, but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit. Rest if you must. But don't you quit. 
Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns, and many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Off the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out. The silver tint of the clouds of doubt, and you can, never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. The wise men were determined. It don't matter, Herod. It don't matter if the star disappeared. It don't matter if nobody else knows about this one born king of the Jews. We are determined to seek him and find him. And nothing's going to get in the way. What kind of a resolve do you have when it comes to your relationship with God? You know, searching for him with all of our heart takes a little more than one or two minutes in the morning. You see, I'm convinced that reading the Bible through in a year is a good thing, but I'm convinced that we need to read the Bible until God gives us something, until God speaks to us. And you can read five chapters in the Bible, and someone asks you a minute later, what did God speak to you about? And you say, I have no clue. We haven't met with Him. You see, the problem isn't God. The problem's us. If you're here this morning, you say, man, I, I wish I was closer to God. I'd ask for a show of hands, but I'm not going to because I'm about to tell you something. <laughs> if you're here this morning, you say, well, I wish I could be closer to God. I wish I could have a more intimate relationship with God. Can I tell you this in a kind way? It's not his fault. It's yours. You're not seeking him with all your heart. You've given up. You're not spending time in prayer. You're not spending time in the word of God. We need God. Do you know God didn't make life to work without Him in the center? And that's why so many people are messing up their lives and living with guilt and heartache and pain and difficulty because they're trying to put a square peg. They're trying in a round hole. They're trying to make life work without God in the center of it. By the way, that's why when you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God moved in you. We, we, our theme for this year, we took it down, we got a new theme coming. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. When you got saved, the person of Christ, the Holy Spirit of God moved in you. And he moved in you to live the Christian life through you. That is awesome. But we need to keep seeking him. Number four, and lastly... By the way, Isaiah 55, verse 6 says, Take, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Number four, I want you to see this and we'll be finished. Seeking him is going to affect your practice. In verse number eight, the Bible says, And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. It's interesting that he said to them, you go, and he didn't go himself with his entourage of people. He says, go ahead and go. Verse 9, when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east 
went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Can we stop and just take a note here? The scripture says the star appeared. When did the star reappear? The star reappeared when the wise men got back to doing what God wanted them to do. I think the delay was God's will, don't get me wrong. When they departed, the star reappeared. Isn't that interesting? The Bible says in verse 9, When they saw the star in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Verse 10, When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. God was confirming and would continue to lead them. Verse 11, And when they were come to the house, they saw the young child. Now, I think sometimes our little uh, nativity scene does us wrong. It's got the shepherds and the wise men and the baby in the little um, in the little manger there. Uh, when the wise men got there, the child was a little bit older. Uh, probably after we read about Simeon and Anna, probably after the child was circumcised, a little bit older there. But that's okay. You don't have to go home and take down the nativity scene, all right? Especially the young kids. Mom, this nativity scene is no good. Throw these away. No, don't do that, all right? Don't do that. Save it and in 10, 20, 30 years, it could become like baseball cards. You know what I'm saying? It could be worth millions in any event. Verse number 10. They, they worship. Verse number 12. And being warned of God in a dream, they should not return to Herod. They departed into their own country another way. What do we see? We see wise men obeying the leadership of God. Herod would have been quite intimidating. You go find him and you bring me word back. We don't read where the wise men had a discussion. Okay, guys, look, now God's telling us to go home a different way. But this Herod fella, he's pretty intimidating and he's bullying us. And uh, what do we do here? You see, that sometimes is some of our problems. You see, sometimes our problem is this. Sometimes what hinders my relationship with God is when I determine, yes, God wants me to do this, but, but I, I think I better do this. And when we determine that we're going to do what we want to do, or we're going to do what someone else wants us to do instead of what God wants us to do. Many in this, many that could be put into this story would have allowed the pressure, the bullying of the big king of Jerusalem to cause them to say, we're not going back, we better get back and tell the king something. By the way, had they done that, God would have still figured it out because Jesus was going to win and he always wins. And you see in this story, Herod dies and Jesus lives and truth lives on. But they did not allow the intimidating factor of Herod to keep them from doing what God wants them to do. When we begin to resist God, our relationship with God gets strained. It gets strained. You ever ask yourself, let me say it this way. I've had individuals, people that come to me, and they've doubted their salvation. And there are individuals that doubt their salvation because they're putting their faith in their own faith and not in the object of faith, which is Jesus. But probably to me, one of the biggest reasons that I have found that people doubt their salvation is because Christ saved them 
And they're supposed to be living for the one that saved them and loving the one that saved them. And they're living for themselves and they're doing what they want to do. And they feel like God is miles and miles away. The Bible says this, great truth. God is not very far from any one of us. He's just a prayer away. But if I'm doing my thing, no wonder I'm not going to have a relationship with God that's close and intimate and sweet. It's interesting in the passage I quoted earlier from Philippians 4, the peace of God, pass it all understanding, should keep your hearts and minds. And then it says, whatsoever things are true and honest and just, think on these things. And then interesting, the section closes, verse 10. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. How often do we lack the peace of God because we are living in disobedience to the God of peace. Look, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. God says this, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. You say, what does that mean? That means this, God loves you and God wants to bless you. In Malachi 3, he says, prove me now. Father, open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. God is a loving God. God is a good God. God is a God that wants to bless you. But he's not going to bless us if we're walking in disobedience to him. And by the way, the blessing of the Lord, the scripture says, it maketh rich. There's nothing like being in the center of God's will, walking with him. In a close, intimate way. I'm told the tallest building in the world, I don't even know how to pronounce this, Jeannie probably could, is the Burj Khalifa. It's in Dubai. It raises 2,700 feet, over a half a mile tall. It has 160 floors and is twice as tall as the Empire State Building. And, 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 and how many have been to the Empire State Building? Big, big building. Twice as tall. It is home to the world's fastest elevator, which travels at 40 miles per hour. It also hosts the world's highest outdoor observation deck, observation deck on the 124th floor. How about that? And look at this. The world's highest swimming pool. I don't know why they have to have a swimming pool on the 76th floor. But I guess if you've got an elevator going 40 miles an hour, you can get there fast. The 76th floor. The secret to the stability of this massive building is found underground. Before construction began to rise up, workers spent a year digging and pouring the massive foundation that supports the building. The foundation contains 58,900 cubic yards of concrete, weighing more than 110,000 tons. The building is safe. Because the foundation is solid. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. Therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house. And it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. 
And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the flood came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. A wise man builds his house on the truth knowing and obeying it. A wise man seeks him. God's ear is open to your cry. God is waiting for us as his children to gaze our face toward him. What a great God. May God help us as we look at a new year in just a week. Maybe 2023 is the year we need to determine. By the way, we'll start today. I am going to seek Him. My perspective is eternal. He's going to be my priority. I'm going to persevere. I'm not going to quit. Till I find him. And when I do, I'm going to walk in obedience to him. Lord, we love you.